Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of Public Discourse. Once again, my name is Sancho Sinto. I'm your host. Happy Thanksgiving. Hello world. So today we actually have a very special guest. This is since 2008, 2021, 2008, 23 years. Uh, he's my classmate in the University of Santo Tomas back then. Uh, he's, he's actually a attorney now. His name is Attorney Menandro Leong Son Jr. He graduated cum laude at the University of degree and continued his postgraduate education at the finishing his law degree in 2017 and passing the bar exam that exact same year. After passing the bar exam, he joined the law firm in Manila where he handled diverse cases in criminal, civil, and labor law. He's currently working at the Philippine National Oil Company, a government-owned and controlled corporation where he is doing litigation work, contract review, in-house counsel, and providing legal services. So he's in the Philippines right now, the other side of the world of where we are. So let me introduce you, my good friend, Mr. M. Jim Leongson. Hi, guys. Hey, M. Jim. Um, hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We are, uh, we're looking forward to this conversation. So I want to start by saying thank you for taking your time to uh, talk with us. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation. So I figured I started off pretty easy. Um, I'm kind of curious as to a couple things, actually. Uh, the first one is, why did you decide to be a lawyer? And then the second is, I'm actually curious about the process in which you become a lawyer. You know, here in the States, you go to college, you go to law school for three years, and then you take the bar exam. And it sounds like it's similar in the Philippines, but I'm curious if if that's actually the case. So, uh, yeah. Well, first off, um, I... I didn't I didn't want to be a lawyer um growing up but um after graduating high school um I really don't know what I want to um take up in college so um all I know is I'm not re I'm really bad at in math and I can I can't be an engineer I'm go I'm going to mess up a lot of things but uh, and so my parents um, told me, why don't you take up law school? And at the time, um, there is pretty there is pretty much no lawyer in the family, so I have like no one to ask if what's you know the process, um, what's the process of becoming a lawyer, what is the best pre-law to take. So I just um, like any high school student, I would say search up on the internet and there i saw um that it's you know the, the that's what they say um that's the best for during that time the best pre-law course was uh to take up legal management um so i did um uh, uh took up um ab legal management um in university of santo Tomas in manila and then um I took up law um, right after college. I didn't work. Um, so that's actually the, the process of becoming a lawyer here in the Philippines is you have to take a pre-law course. That A pre-law course could be any bachelor's degree or a bachelor's degree um, or a, a bachelor of science degree or any bachelor of arts degree. So you, you could have nursing, 
you could have um i don't know any four-year course um and then take up law uh, law school would be another four years and then you have to take up uh, one you have to review for one year for, to prepare for the bar and then take the bar exam gotcha okay so it's similar it is similar to the states except it seems like you guys have a you guys have an extra year um of law school you have to go through and i'm curious the bar exam so i don't actually i'm not actually certain about this in the states i don't know if you know sancho i know you you want to be a lawyer um so maybe you have an idea but is the bar exam is that one test you take throughout the entire day uh no it's very different i know and we can talk about it more with mjun with the difference between u.s law and philippine law in the u.s law there's two types of law which is state law and federal law so you take two bar exams actually so you take one bar exam for the federal and then you pass that and you can represent you know your client or companies in federal matters yeah. uh well the state law you have to choose for a state let's say i took the bar exam in virginia so i can only practice in virginia because here in the us each it's like 50 countries in one and each country has a different law so if you're a lawyer for virginia you only know virginia law you can't practice mm -hmm. new york law so you do different law which is, you know, also very politicized. <laughs> Depends on the politics in that state. Uh, but I think in the Philippines, it's there's no federal and state, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, Amjun. It's all like one law for every, the whole country. Or is there some English uh, factors too? Um, actually, um, basically, there's only one law. Uh, there's only the. I mean. We, the Philippines has only one constitution, and that that constitution governs the entire country. Although different cities or different states um could ha could pass their own laws, but basically all all those other all those other um smaller laws within a city or within a province must ha must be um in line with the constitution. So I think it's pretty much um it's pretty much the same with federal law, except that in the US um states are bigger. Because mm -hmm. in like states are um um in the US um lawyers are treating each state um separately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I was saying if I'm the same I'm a lawyer and I become in Virginia, I cannot practice in Maryland because I don't have a license. You know. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. So yeah. if I wanna, if I wanna practice in all the states, I have to, pra I have to like take 51 exams, mm, or 52, okay. including this, this District of Columbia. Mm. You know. But that's a thing. Like I can actually practice in Maryland if it concerns federal law matters. Oh, okay. If, you know, like divorce, family law is different per per state. So I can represent a client in Virginia in family. law law but i can't represent a client in family law in maryland but if i have a client in maryland i can represent them in immigration because immigration kind of goes under federal jurisdiction yes yeah, so it depends on the jurisdiction i think that's like a big difference uh, from okay. those classes yeah because here because here in the philippines you can you can practice anywhere um anywhere actually yeah gotcha interesting yeah, so it seems like they're all like, I think in the Philippines, they're all just like under federal law. There's no states, you know, because there's no states in the Philippines, right? Yeah. 
that's all like the system. Uh, so how how was your experience in law school there in USD? So I remember, I mean, I have a very, how do you say that? Uh, very like a uh, nostalgic experience. I, I'm only there for a year. You know, it's a special year for me. That's my only experience in the Philippines. I mean, you definitely had a different once you've been to so many different, you know, you were in your entire college career, you were in the Philippines. So, well, yeah, break um, my ice now, break my my innocence. How is does it suck or how is it? How How's college? How is USD? Like you did USD from undergrad to law school, right? How's your yeah. overall experience? Because I feel like um, I went from college to law school right away. Mm-hmm. Didn't work because I feel like um, I have like I need to finish this right away because it's you know it's eight years plus the plus review and then bar exam and the results of bar exam here is you have to wait like one year before um, the results will came out um, yeah. and I feel like. Um, I have to um, go to law school right away. So I w- wouldn't waste any time. And then, um, but going back, um, right right off um, college, uh, I, you know, college is pretty chill. Um, you study, you study like for, for four days and then party on weekends. <laughs> but, in law school, it's completely different. I, I'm there's also there's also a culture shock in law school because you're you're not used to you're not used to study. I mean that that much or that you have to read like a hundred cases for a day, and I'm I'm talking about Supreme Court cases <laughs> that you have to study overnight and you have to recite the following day. You have to be ready to recite the following day. So probably on my first and second year in law school, it's pretty, pretty overwhelming. A lot of adjustment from college. Though uh, I wouldn't say I didn't, I'm, I, ha- I, I already had a pretty, pretty um, good study habit in college, but law school is a completely different ball game. Um, all of your classmates are competitive and you really have to study really, really hard. And when when you really had a bad exam, like pre- we have in law school, we have um, we only have two exams, preliminary exams and then final exams. If you fail in your preliminary exam, it's pretty hard to, you know, recover. So you really have to study well because it's like 30 percent of your grade. 20% from your performance in class, meaning your recitation, and then 50% is your final exam. So if you fail on your preliminary exam, you're, it's really, really hard to recover. So, and once you like, once you fail a subject which has a prerequisite, um, when I say prerequisite, um, you, have to, you have to pass that subject to be able to um, take up the next subject. Say, for example, civil law one, you have to pass that to take civil law two. Um, you will not be able to enroll civil law two if you fail civil law exam. Why well, civil law one subject? Um, so that's it. Um, you know, you have to like really, really study hard because um, uh, if you fail a subject, 
you may you have to like extend a year in law school. So so yeah. Um it's it's overwhelming. I I feel uh, I wouldn't go back if 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 you will give me a hundred million, I wouldn't go back to law school. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna move past uh law school and I'm curious about um some of the casework that you've done, some that you could speak of, of course. Okay, um, okay, sure. Yeah, so I'm curious, what has been uh one of your most interesting cases that you've worked on? Um labor cases. Um, I've handled a lot of labor cases, um, illegal dismissal cases. Um, hmm, let me think about it. One, there, there's this one case that I've handled. Um, the company um, dismissed that particular employee, um, dismissed from employment because of his religious beliefs. So, um, this company is actually a, um, what, 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 how could I describe it? Um, it's pretty, um, the owners are half Filipino, um, half Iranians. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they, they are pretty, um, um, strict regarding the, um, on regulating people, especially practice of religion in their um, working environment. And so was someone kind of engaged in their religious practice and as a result, they got let go? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Gotcha. And so is that in that situation, can you uh, because in the U.S., you know, if you if you can prove that you pretty much can retire. So is that kind of similar to the U.S.? Or sorry, to the Philippines? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? So like, let's say you have that same situation that happens here in the U.S. Typically what will happen is individuals will sue. And typically, or or from what I've seen, maybe not typically, but from what I've seen, the damages can result in the people being able to retire because the damages are so high. So I'm curious, is it similar to that in the Philippines or is it kind of, you know, you helped them get their job back or, or, or how did that case end up getting resolved? I guess is ultimately what I'm trying to ask. Um, in the Philippines, there, the there is a concept of strained relations in law. Um, if your um, if your position in the company holds a um, um, fiduciary relationship, meaning you hold a um, very sensitive um, like information for the company, or you um, work on a Top, top level management of the company. Um, I don't think there's a reason there. You will be allowed to go back, but if say you're like just a staff or um a crew working um clerical works or um you're doing like mechanical stuff, um the court can order you to go back. But in that case, which I handled. Um, they reinstated the employee back. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Did... Actually, uh, to um just to clear it out, the that's that's our theory. 
um, that's the the that's our theory that he was dismissed because of his religious beliefs. But um, the company is making um, stuff up. Um, like he's not. Um, of course, they cannot say that in court that we're this is dismissing you because of your religious belief. But yeah. they came up with a lot of um, you know excuses. They um, they told the uh, court that that guy is not fit for his um, employment. And we're like, why did you hire him in the fir- for first place <laughs> yeah. if it's not fit to do the job? Um, and they were saying that um, since he is a... Actually, that guy is a um, electrician. Mm-hmm. So um, the company is claiming that the um, that guy is not fit because um, he's overweight. So technically, there's occupational hazard involved. But our theory in the defense was um, they are they are firing that guy because of his religious affiliation. Gotcha. Question with us. So I don't know if it's okay for you to disclose, but what is the religious affiliation like? Are they, you know, Christian, Muslim? Like, is there? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Are they discriminating? I think they're discriminating because most of the employees are um, uh, Muslim. Okay. So, because you know, um, if not, if not, if the listeners don't know, um, the Philippines is a pretty much uh, pretty uh, Christian-dominated country, like ninety-five percent, um, or probably ninety percent of the population is um, Christian or mostly actually Catholic, Roman Catholic. But um, um, in, in, in Mindanao, like south of the Philippines, um, the population there is mostly uh, Muslim. Uh, I have a quick question for you, Imogen, just wondering, uh, in this, this might clear uh, uh, 10 decades old of stereotype or, or assumption for me so when i was in the philippines you know when i i grew up there i spent my first 17 years of my life i always got this you know my elders my friends a lot of like i guess the the assumption that i feel like a lot of people don't trust the justice system in the philippines like you know the there i'm hearing stories of like people paying judges and they're killing you know uh other attorneys and stuff you know what i mean especially for political matters is that still in your experience you know especially being a you know being said lawyer now a said attorney in the philippines is that pretty accurate for your experience or is that like just chismes or just people gossiping or rumors or you know how maybe my question is so my main bottom line question is how strong is the integrity of the court system in the philippines the justice system well i cannot say the, just based on your experience, you know, based, based on my experience, um, actually, um, the corruption and mm-hmm. all the other, you know, illegal stuff that's happening is actually outside of the court, not yes. in, in my experience. That's what I experience. Um, like, um, probably lawyers, um, selling out their clients' case, or. Um, say, for example, a 
an ethical practice from a lawyer um, charging too much or the evidence um, were not handled correctly by the um, the police or the authorities, but yeah, not inside the court. Okay, so you can. In, in my, I would say in my in my experience, the courts are pretty are pretty fair. Pretty fair. That's yeah. Cool. Nice to know. It, it yeah, actually it depends on where you stand. Um, because I feel like you're coming from an outsider, yeah. outsider's perspective. Um, because lawyer, you know, as lawyers, you deal with um the justice system every single day. You get to meet a lot of, you know, employees inside the court, um, other lawyers, clients. So, from my, it's from an outsider's perspective, um, people can really, you know, best can really um think that there's a lot of um, corruption going on, and but it's also. Like if you were involved in a um if you if you happen to be involved in a illegal dispute, it is your lawyer's duty to you know inform you and explain to you what happened to the case. So people wouldn't have wouldn't think that something's you know something species happening. Otherwise, if your lawyers wouldn't explain it to you what really happened to your case. Or how did you end up losing the case? Um, that's you know that's the um, primary reaction. That's the primary reaction that you think um, your case was not judged fairly, or something illegal happened. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Uh, yeah, especially now. Thanks for telling us about it because it's and I know that for a fact that the people who are actually involved have a different perspective than outsiders, right? They just hear yeah. media or, and I've, I can talk a lot some experience for me. I've experienced that, but so I've, I, I actually just, when you're talking about what, you know, with the corruption and things, I had this like kind of light bulb moment in me. I want to know, you know, especially being the expert in Philippine law. So here in the United States, it's like, you don't have to be an expert in law to know that, you know, the states where we're talking about different states, a mm -hmm. lot of the, the laws each state is, depends on the political party in power, you know, Democrat or Republican, right? Like yeah. I'll give you an example. So for example, you know, in Texas, uh, you know, they tend to be more gun friendly, you know, because it's Texas, it's more conservative. While if you go to New York, you have stronger laws restricting guns, you know, and if you think yeah. about it, it's common sense. It's like, yeah, New York's like that because it's a Democrat state. Uh, and then Texas is like that because it's a Republican state. So it's a very, the law, of each state is really connected to what political party is in power. Uh, is that something you notice in the Philippines? I know there's no Democrat or Republican there, but you know, is it is the law there pretty politicized? And I'm not sure how does that even work without you know those set political parties. Um, actually, um, it's pretty. The laws in the, here in the Philippines applies to the entire country, so. Um, I don't think there, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think there is a faction, like for a first, for a, let's say, for example, 
there's no um a specific place which leans towards the specific law to be passed because the Philippines has only like the same senators for the entire country mm-hmm. the same law the, the same lawmakers for the entire country um in the Philippines the the legis- the legislation is composed of the senate and the lower house the lower house is composed of like 200 congressmen and these 200 congressmen were are represented from different parts of the country and they have 24 senators so basically it's um if you will put it that way uh if you will put it in a um if you if you will try to picture mm-hmm. it out it's the the legislation is centralized mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's for the entire country and i think yeah. that's uh, and i always tell people here that's like a big difference with colonization right is uh, if i remember from my high school class elementary school class that was because how the spaniards built it right with a central centralizado you know so do you like that do you like that system or would you rather have different states you know let's say state of cebu or in our state of palawan you know or state of bulacan you know and they have their own laws or do you like where we are right you know where you are right now i think um since the philippines is not that big of a country i mean the philippines is pretty much the size of the united kingdom but i think i'm pretty good with what's we ha- what we have right now because um the laws here are although the population is pretty large one we're about right now we're about 110 million filipinos and that's in the philippines that's that doesn't count that ones that are outside the philippines oh, that doesn't count but, me <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know um in my perspective i mean in my mind the laws are must be centralized um but um each city um like for example cebu or um like the other bigger cities aside from manila must be able to um have their own autonomous um rights to govern their air their their particular area so for example um they can have their own you know how they manage investment how they manage um particular traffic rules because that's what's happening here you can go in manila um and you would have a different set of traffic rules from cebu so but that's about it that's what that's the that's the extent of what they they can differ from the entire country not the laws like criminal laws labor laws they're pretty standard for the um, entire country okay yeah that makes sense yeah it's really that you know i mean you know having for me particularly you know living there and here i always thought about what is that good uh, let me ask you this i always ask this question to myself right uh I'm not sure how familiar we are with the two-party system here in the United States, but do you like this the part the system there in the Philippines where you have like five, five, ten candidates? Parties are pretty irrelevant; no one cares. Or do you like here in the U.S. when there's only two candidates? You know, one Democrat, one Republican. Or do you like 
you know, having, you know, this coming election, right? It seems like there's a lot of candidates you have to choose from. Uh, I feel like there's pros and cons between having two-party systems and what we have here in the Philippines. Because yeah. what we have here in the Philippines is you can have um, like five candidates or six candidates running for the presidency. Um, and they, those five candidates or say, for example, six candidates have different political parties, right? So here in the Philippines, you can have six um, president running, uh, six candidate running. The, the pros would be the ultimately the will of the people will be will will judge who they want to be the president, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's that's the essence of democracy, right? It's a free country, and um, anyone can be who they want to be, who they want to be, right? But that's um, it's it can get pretty messy if you have six candidates running for presidency. Um, it's a lot complicated. People are confused. Um, and like, if you have like two political parties, like the, the um, Republicans and Democrats, um, the cons would be the choices are the choices are actually. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but ultimately, the person running for the presidency in a demo, demo, Democrat and Republican setting are choices made by the political party, not choices made by the people, if that makes sense. Yeah, so they have some here in the US, they have something called conventions like uh, primaries. So there's, there's, there's 10 people running for the Democrat Repub- you know, pr- uh, representative, right? So they, they started voting and then, you know, the people kind of vote. Well, if I'm a registered Democrat, I vote when who of those 10 gets to represent us, right? So that's kind of yeah. how it works. So it's like, it's still the people who's choosing for, you know, so people's vote twice. If I'm a Democrat, I'm voting in my primary, who's representing our party, and then I'm voting on the general election. Uh, yeah, so, but it's sometimes normally like, you know, like example Biden right now, if he wants to run again, they're not, there's not going to be a primary. He's like the defending champion. You know, he's just going to run again. He's yeah. automatically the candidate. You know, and, but, the, and the Republicans are going to have a primary to decide who's going to run against Biden. But yeah, but if you will look at it, um, the person running for presidency is chosen by a small group of people. Yeah, yeah, the party. Itself. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that's but that's the essence of democracy, right? It's the will of the people that who it's the will of the people um, must prevail, right? So it, how can you say that it is the will of the people if um, a small group of people are deciding who will run for the presidency? Yeah. That that's the that's the I mean that's um that's the cons of having a democratic and republican setting like two political party setting, but um, it's more orderly. It's more orderly in a sense, like the choices of the people are narrowed down to two. So it's easier to decide. 
Yeah, yeah, I always ask that yeah. question. I mean, I always think, to be honest, I mean, you know, I have a lot of experience here now and even helping political campaigns here. And yeah, I actually like the Philippine setting more, to be honest. And maybe, Ricardo, you can chime in. It's exactly what you said, right? Like, I feel like here it's kind of rigged because a lot of people, let's say I'm automatic, I'm a registered Democrat, they vote by loyalty, not by cost-benefit analysis. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, I'm a Democrat. It doesn't matter who's running. I'm loyal to the Democrat Party. I'll vote for the Democrat. You know what I mean? But then again, like in the Philippines, I felt like we don't, correct me if I'm wrong, engine, but we're not really loyal to a candidate, right? We kind of just choose year by year kind of thing, right? Yeah, because every year um, the candidates are changing. I mean, changing, every six yeah. years, um, there's, no, there's no strict political party which you had to adhere to. Right. Yeah. What do you think about that, Ricardo, with the difference between these two political systems? Um, um, I definitely think it's interesting in that you have more variety. Um, I mean, because it's but, would, oh. but because here, yeah. um, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but no, here you can be a son son of a fa- farmer or a son of a fisherman and you can run for presidency and if the, and if the people decides that you will be the president you can be the president you don't you don't need um you don't need a big political party to back you up right yeah yeah so, so it's not necessarily about uh being the wealthiest candidate because that that's definitely i would say that's probably the biggest contributor to American politics is how how much money you have in your war chests to run campaigns. Um, so you're saying anyone, even somebody who is economic from an economic standpoint, very poor, they could still win the presidency. Is that? But is that actually a like a legis a legitimate thing, or is that kind of something uh, that you know kind of say? I I mean, Manny Pacquiao is running for the presidency. <laughs> but, yeah. But because based on our constitution, the only requirement for you to run in the pre- for presidency are you have to be a Filipino citizen, mm-hmm. you have to be uh, at a, a particular I think for at least forty years old. Mm-hmm. I have to review my constitutional law, but I think you have to be forty years old, and you you must be able to read and write. That's the only requirement. You don't have to have a college degree or a doctoral degree to be a president. So that's why Manny Pacquiao is there running for best, gunning for the presidency. What yeah. do you think about that? Are you going to so, vote for him or voting for Pacquiao? I'm not going to go, but I will definitely not vote for him. Hmm. So one he's, of, a good, he's a good guy, but you know. So, so one of the things I do wonder, or, and I'm curious about this, because one of the things that kind of strike out to me that concerns me is... Uh, quality of candidates do you typically find that uh i apologize every presidential election you guys consistently have a very solid like crop of presidential candidates or is there ever an issue of quality um quality in what sense quality in education I guess quality. So quality for me would be uh, political expertise, political experience, and mm, yeah, an um, education. Absolutely, I I would. Uh, I'm assuming you would prefer 
your candidates coming from the best universities as opposed to maybe regional colleges. So, yeah, I, I would include uh, quality of education in that. Um, if you will go back in our history, most of our candidates, uh, most of our presidents are lawyers. So, um, lawyers or economists. Um, so I don't think, I think there's the, the winning president is always, um, you know, had a really good educational background, but, um, I feel like, um, it's the experience, the political experience and education doesn't always translate to, um, how you will govern the, the country. Because you can be, you can have all the doctoral degree, but if you're not really willing that, you're, you're not really willing to serve um, to the best of your abilities, that doesn't, um, that doesn't count, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, all our presidents are lawyers, and um, all our presidents are probably, most of them are economists, graduates of they have the economic degree, but where's the Philippines now? We're still a third world country. So I feel like, for me, in coming from my from coming from my um, own perspective, I would. I mean, educational background um, is an, is one factor, but the willingness to serve is. I mean, for me, it's the biggest um, factor in choosing a, um, the leader. I'm, I'm curious, yeah. has, uh, has there ever been a president uh, that, the, that the Philippines have ever voted in that has been similar in uh, nature to Donald Trump? As in, we're talking about somebody who was strictly, well, not strictly, that, that, that'd be redundant, but he was a celebrity. But he also was a businessman, which is where uh, the, the majority of his credentials were coming from. And has there ever been anyone in the Philippines who's, who's uh, seemingly didn't seem fit for the job, but you guys still voted them in? I'm kind of curious about that. Um, probably former Joseph, uh, former President Joseph Estrada. Para sa mahirap. Yeah. For that former president was um, actually an um, actor, right? Mm -hmm. He was an actor, but after his after his um, acting career, he went into politics. So mm -hmm. he kind of you know has a some some sort of experience in politics before going for before gunning, um for the presidency. I think he he was. Um, a mayor, a mayor before he went um, to run for the presidency. Mm. But there are a lot of clowns here. <laughs> All right, that's a good segue. Speaking of clowns, what do you think of worse, worse, worse than Donald Trump? I mean, tell, tell us about the clowns. Yeah, tell us about the clowns. I mean, tell us about the guys who are worse than Donald Trump. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> that I cannot say that for now because I'm working for the government. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. Can you talk about at least the the uh, election, like with the who are the candidates? Uh, who, what is your assessment with them? They're not in the government yet, right? They're still running, so. Most of them are. 
Almost most of them are. Like Manny Pacquiao is a senator, um, um, incumbent senator. Um, Bongbong Marcos is also a senator. The other one running for the president. Um, the other one is our vice president, Lenny Robredo. And um, yeah, most of them are already in politics. What what can you give us a little bit of? You don't have to like tell them who you like, but your assessments based on all these people running here. Tell, tell um, people who these people are, possibly the future president of the Philippines. Our listeners, they don't need us. Well, most of most of the people running for the presidency are already in politics. But the thing is, I feel like um, you can see, you can, you can, people, I mean, I would just give an advice um, to, I mean, for the Filipino audience who are listening. Um, people have to, like, narrow it down um, into the candidate's intention. Because, you, can, you know, people, who... Who who in the right mind run run for presidency? I mean, it's a big job, yeah. it's it's draining. But there's a lot of reasons why people run for the presidency, and I feel like people need to you know narrow down their intentions and really dig deep on why is this person running and why is this, why is the I mean ultimate intention why is running for the presidency? Um, people get can be people here in the Philippines can really get ca- caught up in you know the gimmicks uh the political gimmicks the um the tactics of promoting um one candidate um and the flip- um proliferation of fake news is my god so rampant the worst the worst the you know all the all kinds of fake news you can find is already in facebook and I think that's, I mean, most of the voters now are millennials, right? So those are majority, I mean, probably most more than 50% of the voters are Gen Z and millennials. So um, social med- media is playing re- a really big role in the outcome of the elections this coming May 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, at I think at at one point, at one point, people are people are, are already clamoring for, um, you know, um, for social media, um, like news, news, um, broadcasting news, um, channels, and um, journalists, um. Uh, even CNN Philippines, they are they are um, promoting or they are um, advocating for fact checking um, news on the internet because that's the primary tool that they are using to um, mislead um, the people and who to vote. But not gonna. I think it's. Um, it's the best for me not to um, discuss one by one the candidates because yeah. I'm working yeah. with. Yeah. Well, can but, you just uh, just a general observation? I'm just wondering because uh, I haven't been there in a while. Uh, how is 
the popularity of the current president, the current administration? Do they like what the government's doing? Is this, you know, like what is the feeling? You know, is in the air? Well, every quarter of the year, they would release a satisfaction survey. Um, a satisfaction survey um, based on the performance of the president would come out on the news. But I think it doesn't reflect the... I mean, it doesn't reflect the um, sentiments of the entire country. But um, on the start of the current administration, people really love that guy. They're like, they they really thought that change is coming, and they really thought um, the people really thought that um, this is the guy who will do it, who will initiate the change. But after like a few years into his presidency. Things really get messy. Um, he got involved to a lot of, you know, got a, got involved into a lot of controversy. So I think people now are people now here in the Philippines are now mo- more open to the opposition. Okay. Opposition's yeah. candidate, yeah. Who is the opposition? Is it Lenny? Lenny. Yeah, Le- Lenny. Is there other opposition? How- I think, I think here in the Philippines, if you are not part of the administration, you are, all of you are opposition. All the opposition. Yeah. Interesting. your opposition too, right? Yeah, I think. Do you think? Because here in the U.S., it seems like everybody just wants him to win, like all the American celebrities, right? Like, is that? Really? Uh, I mean, they, that's the only that's the only person they know, right? Yeah, I was gonna so say. Yeah, I mean, I you know, you're, hard, work, you're, you're the sample size for that. But let me ask you, let me ask you this, guys. Um, do you really think um, Donald Trump is the worst president you had? You want to start, Ricardo? Okay. <laughs> um, I want to start. Not really. Um, you can start. For me? Well, I don't know. I've been only here for 12 years. Uh. So at least the ones that I saw, I would say yes. The ones that I saw, uh, which which very limited. I, I came here with it's like, yeah. well, I only saw other one. It's Obama or Trump. So <laughs> I think Obama's better. <laughs> so I can't speak yeah, I was, others. Uh, you know. And so that was why I was hesitating to speak because I didn't really start paying attention to politics really until the end of Obama's administration. Um, if you're asking for a history lesson. He's probably not the worst president we've ever had, uh, honestly speaking. But in terms of all the ones that I've had to like pay attention and witness, I would say yes. Um, and the biggest reason being that uh, just the division of the country. That's my personal biggest reason. Um, so probably probably safe to say that he's um, in the last decade or so. In the last decade or so, I would say he's probably been the worst. Yeah, absolutely. He's been the worst president. Actually, from where I'm sitting right now, I can see, I can see a Trump Tower <laughs> in my view. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, there's a Trump Tower here in Manila. Well, and... let me share this to you, Emjun. One of the reasons I actually, you know, <clears throat> with Trump, where I ended up like, yeah, like he's, he's not that good, you know, that really made me like, not necessarily hate him, but was what, I don't know if you've been aware, but he was starting to like doing the cheating in the election kind of thing. You know, like he refuses, he lost, but he refuses to accept that he lost. And it really yeah. reminds me of what, ha- you know, what happened regularly there in the Philippines, right? A lot of people have all these cheating accusations and, you know, I mean, so it's like, I just don't want 
like he's, he's a lot of the moves that he's pulling is very similar to what a lot of the politicians there in the Philippines are pulling. You know, all those yeah, yeah, yeah. tactics. And I was like, no, like, I don't want the U.S. politics to transform to similar to the ugliness that we see there. You know, but I mean, in a way, it's I really it really hit me what you said about the democracy, right? It's yeah, you know, I mean, let's just give everyone a chance instead of overdose them two political parties controlling everything, you know. Yeah. Because if you will if you will look at it, you have to be you have to have a considerable amount of wealth and influence to be to be chosen by the Republican or the Democrat the yeah. Democratic Party, right? So mm-hmm. if if you um if you really had if you really have a gift of you know service and leadership and you came from you know out of nowhere from a middle class family low income family and you have you had good education you went to harvard and you you have all the you have all the know how on to on how to govern the country why don't you why why aren't you given the chance i know it's hard but you know that's the yeah, pros and cons, but and that's the, you know, but no, you know, but you have you have an orderly you have an order orderly election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the crazy thing about it though. It's like if you have to join each, you have to confirm to all their beliefs, right? Yeah. Like what if you know I mean if you disagree with them, you can't disagree with them. You know I don't know. Yeah, if that's is that so? Yeah, I don't know if you know this, Mjun, but if you're a Democrat, there's like A B C D E F G you have to believe in. There's a Democrat, your A B C D E F G. Yeah. So like. A lot of people are like compromising their personal belief to fit the party, you know. Uh, so that I don't know. Yeah, and that's and, and that's what the kind of messed up thing. That's why a lot and a lot of people are just running independent, and they're going nowhere, you know. And ultimately, you know, I mean, I feel like that's what I that that's what I was taught in law school that the essence of democracy is the will of the people, right? mm-hmm. Um, that's why they say. Box Populi Box Day. The voice of the people is the voice of God. So, um, ultimately, the will of the people must prevail. Um, so, what is the will of the people? The will of the people is the majority. But in the U.S., what with the electoral college votes, <laughs> yeah, I was the, about majority, to the, the majority doesn't always reflect the the winner, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like is what the, happened to the US, the, the, Clinton. Yeah. Yeah, the people are not voting. The states are voting. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And also, aside from the votes, the choices. Mm-hmm. Um, the peop- the choices of who will run for the president are narrowed down by the Democrat, uh, the Democratic Party or the Republicans. So, I mean, that's the cons. Mm-hmm. But you have an orderly. Um, the 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 pros of having that two political party system is it's less prone to to rigging, I, I would say. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's what I was. That's the reflection I'm having now, right? Like, there's a lot of drama in Philippine election, right? I mean, you know, I yeah, know about it, but there's a lot. But I and that's, that's 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 a and that's the reason that's happening is because of the what you're saying that it's open to everyone. You know, like yeah. here, they tend to be less drama because, you know, it's very structured, you know, so I think it's, yeah, it's, it's really the, 
it made me think like, oh, that drama that I kind of hated growing up is actually good, right? Because it's it's what you're saying. It's the essence of democracy, right? Yeah, and because you bet there's going to be drama if you have six candidates running for the presidency. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's the color of the election. That's, 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 that's drama served. That's the election drama served to you. Can you say that do you think the Philippine electorate are uh, voting wisely? Do you think they're actually voting by policy or what is what are they voting? You know, I think that's where the Philippines is lag lagging. Yeah. Um, voters education. Mm-hmm. Um, people here are especially the area where um like the provinces where um they didn't. Um, have a lot of access to um, information. Um, voters are easily mis- uh, mislead. Um, so I guess voter education is one thing that feel, uh, the Philippines has to focus on. Um, yeah. So like, if, I don't know. I don't know in the US. I've never been. But I feel like people are more, you know, um, informed of what's happening, or I don't know. And with the status quo in the Philippines, if they're not vote, because here they vote for policy and you know values and all that stuff. They tend, I think there's, I mean, based on my experience with both countries, right? Uh, I think it's a more educated voter base here. But what is the in the field? You said there's lack of voter education. So in the status quo, what word? What causes them to vote for one guy? You know, what causes them to vote for Lenny or for Marcos? You know what? makes them tick yeah. well popularity, popularity and um popularity and um misinformation actually um i think that's the biggest um that's a bi- the biggest challenge here is to shape the paradigm of election from um fake news and um mis- misleading information to you know fact checking and um, voters' education, because people can really get caught up, caught up with political gimmicks. You know, polit- politics are you know just are you, are it's, it's like an e-marketing strategy. You have to like sell a product. Um, but people have to like see pass through that marketing strategy to be able to see the intention of the candidate. So I think that's that's where we we are lacking. What is that political gimmick? Cause have you heard of that term before, Ricardo? No, I've never heard of that. Yeah, term. see, that's that's a that's Americans never heard of that term. I know it's pretty common in the. Um, film. political like, political gimmicks, like you know, um, um, say for I would just give an example. For example, um, a a politician or a candidate being endorsed by a celebrity. So they would say for pay pay that celebrity to endorse that person, that that candidate. So if I if if I'm a celebrity and I have 10 million followers on Instagram, that could translate to votes if I endorse that candidate, right? Yeah. Mm. I mean, there, I, there, I have no problem with one person endorsing one candidate because that's that's democracy, right? Mm-hmm. That's freedom of speech, but 
if you are paying that celebrity to endorse you, that's that's yeah. political gimmick. Bribery. Gotcha. <laughs> right. I don't I know if would does that happen in the U.S. I would think that that happens in the U.S. I probably think would think it's used under a different name now. Um. Yeah, because it, it sounds to me like it's political gimmick, and maybe you know maybe I misunderstood. But it seems like it's just in an effort to become popular. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in an effort to become popular, that you know they kind of reach out to celebrities and whatnot to endorse them. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pay, I would say that happens. Them, they pay them money to endorse them. I would say that happens here. I mean, you know, with Donald Trump, uh, you know, great example. Uh, but he was appealing to rappers. You know, he he uh, was endorsed by Kanye West. Uh, he was endorsed by Lil Pump. That was a big one. Um, and he didn't necessarily pay them, but uh, I know with one of them, he got them out of jail. So you know, he's doing these but- favors for him in an effort to 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 kind of gain his popularity, and so. And and you do and and that happens here where you'll have celebrities that will um, outright endorse presidents and I would not be surprised at least if they didn't if they weren't paid for it I I don't know that they necessarily do it out of the kindness of their heart but honestly that's just that's just speculation but I will say that I'm sure that uh, favors have been granted from political parties onto celebrities in effort to boost up their uh, popularity I, I I'm convinced of it. I just don't know any off the top of my head. Yeah, because if you're if you're if you're at home sitting, it's easier to you know just follow what the celebrity will tell you than to then then to do your research. It's the lazy thing to do. To yeah. I mean, it's harder to do your research. What are the accomplishments of this person? What is his or or her track record in politics? It's the easier route. So people always believe that you know that. Um, gimmick, quote unquote. To mm. you know, it's easier for them to um, be persuaded using that kind of tactics. Yeah, that is true. All right, thanks everyone. We're actually we're gonna wrap up. We're down down to like five minutes left. Uh, I just want to ask uh, M June. You know, uh, thanks again. You, you provided yeah, valuable sure. insights and experiences with us. So most of our listeners are actually here in the U.S. Uh, so what? Do you have any message to them? What if you're gonna like sum up like the Philippines or you know your experience there in a few sentences? Uh, and then how how would you tell these people what our con you know our country is? What is it about? You know? Um. Well, the Philippines is really a mixture of old and new, and a mixture of east and west. If if I was really just sum it up, that's 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 it. It's a mixture. It's a mixture of Europe, U.S., and Asia, in all aspects, politics, culture, um, um, yeah, demographics, religion, yeah, that's it. Okay, thank you. Anything else yeah. to say, Ricardo? Any I, I'm uh, I'm kind of curious about something. Hopefully, it won't be too long of a res- well, not hopefully, but maybe it won't be too long of a response. Um, I'm, I so as somebody who's just you know been ingrained in in the uh, in the law field, is there any 
aspect of laws, the Philippine laws, that you think need to be rewritten completely? Like, do you think like it's either the processes that um, make it work are completely uh, are done in a way that doesn't make any sense, or uh, are there any that you would go in and you would edit personally? Does that question make sense? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think the right off the bat, I, I think criminal law here, mm-hmm. it's derived from the um, old Spanish criminal law. So I think it's I think it's better if um, the legislators or the legislation will um, revise it to tailor fit the needs of our country. Because it's basically copied from the old Spanish criminal law. Okay. So you would say updating then of the criminal uh, justice system. Yeah. And to keep it up more up to date with the modern times, you know. Yeah. What are are the outdated things from this old Spanish law? For example, um, um, adultery and concubinage are punishable under the law. I mean, if uh-huh. um, in, in adultery, if adult in adultery, if a girl, um, if a wife committed um um act of um um had an extramarital affair with another guy, that is punishable by law. But in if, for a guy that doesn't. It's not the same if a guy, if a husband committed an extramarital affair with her, uh, with his wife. Um, there are certain conditions when, in which he has to. Um, it's it's very technical, but the the law is stricter to the girl than to the guy. Mm-hmm. And in I mean in today's um, in the present setup right now it's. There must be um, equality between both sexes, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, that's like, that sounds Absolutely. like in the 1500s or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, anything else, guys? Any any last thoughts? No, I just want to say, hey, listen, thank you for. Uh, I know I've already said it at the beginning, Sancho said it, but thank you once again for taking the time to talk to us. Yes. I've, I've looked, I've had a, I've enjoyed our conversation. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, it's my pleasure. Talking to you guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, MJ. Yeah, yeah appreciate it. And yeah, when, I'll let you know when we go there or when we you come here. You know, we can hang out. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, but it, thanks a lot for sharing your expertise. Uh, we'll send you the link once it's finished. So yeah, so for all our listeners, yeah, thanks again. Uh, this again is public discourse. You can feel free to send us an email at publicdiscoursepodcast at gmail.com we also have a brand new facebook page that is garnering likes right now you can just search search public discourse on facebook and yeah uh everyone have a wonderful morning afternoon and evening thank you very much thanks everyone bye-bye